Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Before we get into this, I always had everybody watching online. We got people from around the world watching us here in Kendall. We love you. And we're so pumped that you would join us. And we believe the same Holy Spirit that's moving here will be moving wherever you're watching. And we, uh, we don't take it for granted that you would join us on a Sunday. But hey, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. Uh, we're going to be talking from a subject, finding joy in a jail cell. Finding joy in a jail cell. And a little context of what we're going to be reading. It's going to be Acts 16. So you can start getting there. We're going to be uh, reading from verse 23. But before that little context, so Paul and Silas, they are on a missionary journey. And they're in Philippi. And they're, again, going to towns and preaching the gospel, letting people know about Jesus, doing, like being obedient to what Jesus said. And in this particular moment, Paul has an encounter with this lady who has a spirit that allows her to uh, be a fortune teller, right? And so she makes money for other owners by, in the town, just doing fortune telling for different people in the town. That's how the owners that she works for makes their money. And so as Paul and Silas are walking around the town preaching the good news, this girl is literally, this lady literally follows Paul and Silas everywhere they go and just screams, look at these men of God, look at them preaching the gospel, blah, 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 all this stuff. The Bible literally says that Paul gets so annoyed by this lady that he turns around and tells her, hey, spirit, be gone. And this, the demonic spirit literally leaves her and, and she's set free from all that. But the crazy thing is this, that her owners aren't too happy because they just lost money. And so what they do is they get, they get Paul, they get Silas, no trial, no nothing. They just say, hey, uh, to the government officials, these guys need to go to jail. They're ruining our business. They're, they're Jews. Like, let's get them out of here. And so now Paul and Silas, doing the work of God, are now falsely accused and about to be thrown in a dungeon. Shout out to the Bible. Always good news. So here we are. This is literally the aftermath of what happened. It says this in verse 23. After they had been severely flogged, They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, so a dungeon, the the darkest pit in the prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, At once, all the prison doors flew open, everybody's chains came loose, and the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why he was about to do that? Because in in Roman law, if you allowed a prisoner to escape, now you, who the jailer who allowed them to to escape, now face capital punishment. So he's like, I'd rather end my life, I don't want to go through that. And so he's he's ready to to throw in the top, just give it up. But look what Paul says in verse 28. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for light, rushed in, and felt trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to others in this house. At the hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. He was changed 
changed completely. Then immediately he and his household were baptized, his whole family baptized in the name of Jesus. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he, because he came to believe in God, he and his whole household. What a beautiful story. I mean, think about it. I know we've heard of this story, right? The, the, the earthquake and the supernatural, like, like that's incredible. And we're going to talk about that. But just a story of Paul and Silas changing, being used by the Holy Spirit to change one man's life. And in his repented spirit, being the jailer that was abusing them, inviting them to the house, taking care of them. And then the whole family gets baptized. It's the power of the gospel to change somebody's life radically in an instant. And I pray that us, the church, would understand our responsibility to get this message out. And yes, let's invite people to church, but also let's use our lives as megaphones of the power of the gospel in our lives and see how it changes other people. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us in this moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you just for your goodness, your grace. Thank you for your word and your word that challenges us. It equips us for every good work. And I pray just like Paul and Silas, we would see that same faith implemented and, and worked in our own lives. That it wouldn't be something that we, don't, we wouldn't just see miracles happen in a building, but in our households, in our workplaces, we would see people come to know you, Jesus. And I pray that your church would take on that responsibility of preaching the gospel. I pray for anybody here for the first time, Jesus, they don't know you, they don't have a relationship with you. I pray that more than just a church, more than just a dream team, more than just a person with a microphone, they would have an encounter with you, Jesus, that would radically change their lives. That they would understand you love them and care about them tremendously. Lord, we also pray for the Dolphins. They need you to come from heaven, put on a Dolphins jersey physically, and play quarterback and see if we can get a win today. So in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> yeah, you know, got to throw in the sports team every once in a while. In 1993, a man named Charles Colson received the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion. The $1 million prize is the largest prize for achievement in any field. It ranked higher than the Nobel Peace Prizes in such fields as science and literature in the belief that religion is more important than those other subjects. Now, a little backstory before I get into that prize and what Roger Colson won. Roger Colson was not always a religious man. He's not always a Christian. Roger Colson actually was one of somebody who was very close to President Nixon during the Watergate scandal. He was literally called the hatchet man. He was President Nixon's go-to man to cover up any story, to get rid of all the bad news, all bad press. That was President. He was not a good dude. He was a criminal, did very, a lot of bad things, and was part of the Watergate 7 and was arrested and charged for the Watergate scandal. But now, as he served in prison, his life is radically changed for Jesus. He meets somebody, he spreads the gospel to him, life is changed. And when he gets out of prison, his heart is to spread the gospel in prisons across America. So he starts a, a prison fellowship that blow. like it's an inc incredible move of God. His life has changed. He has speaking gigs. He writes books. Everything that he makes, he gives back to the prisons to make sure those people know who Jesus is. Change. I mean, it's a completely changed man. And here he is getting this reward. And look what he says about the reward. He says, out of tragedy and adversity come great blessings. I shudder to think of what I would have been if I had not gone to prison. Isn't that crazy? This man is thanking prison for his, his newfound life. 
He's praising a place that people don't want to go to, that people don't want to spend any time with. Here he's saying, if it wasn't for that prison, I wouldn't be who I am. And I think it's a testament to this fact that adversity is God's refining fire in our life. Like that God's going to put us in places where our back's against the wall, we're pressed on all sides, and how we react will determine how we grow in our faith. It's adversity. uses it in our lives daily. And again, maybe we've never been to prison physically, but spiritually speaking, I think a lot of us have been part of what we call maybe the prison experience, right? Like financial prison where you're in debt, where you don't know when your next paycheck's going to come, where you feel like the money you have is not enough to support the people around you. And you feel like you're stuck in one place with no hope of getting out. Maybe it's marital problems and you're trying to be the best husband. You're trying to be the best wife and you just feel like you're stuck because you do one thing, doesn't work. You do this thing, it doesn't work and you just feel stuck in this prison with no hope. Maybe it's a mental prison where you're struggling with anxiety, you're struggling with depression and, and, and you've been praying and you've been doing everything that, you're, that your pastors tell you to do, your connectors, but you feel like nothing is working and you feel like you're in this prison with no hope. If I can be honest, it's hard to praise God in a prison experience. Right? Like it's not a natural thing that comes to us. And we're not, it's, it's not easy. It's not the, uh, the next step of a, of a trial is not to worship and be happy and to be glad. I, I, I get that. I understand that. Because why? It's like we don't know what's next. We're in this prison cell of life and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know where God is. I've talked to him. Don't know if, you know, he changed his number. I don't know what happened. Like what, like what, what did, I, did I do something wrong? And, and you just wonder, does God even love me? And you're like, when is it going to end? When will it be over? When will I be free? Does God even love me? And I wonder, when we're in these prison experiences of life, what is our response? How do we react? What's our first plan of action? What are, what are we, what's our go-to maneuver? Like, what do we do when we're stuck in a bad, trouble, hurtful place? Because I want to challenge our perspective, kind of mess with our perspective a little bit, wrestle with this idea, with this question. What if... The prison that we are in might be, could be a blessing. Now, again, I get it. You're like, Phil, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm offended that you would say what I'm going through is a blessing. And I, I, I get you. And I'm not here to downplay what you're going through. I'm not here to downplay your struggle. I'm not here to downplay your hurt. What I'm saying is I just want to challenge our perspective because I get it. We don't wake up and say, God, man, you know what I hope I find when I come on church Sunday is to be hurt by somebody. I hope one day I could be persecuted all the time. I hope that this thing will happen to me. I hope that I lose all my money. I hope that my marriage, we don't pray those prayers. I get it. We don't want that. But we do pray to be changed by God. But we do pray to be a better husband. But we do pray to be a better wife, to be a better father, to be, a be, to be used by God, for our faith to be elevated. But there's only one process for that to happen. You can't grow into that someone unless you go through a something. It's just, it's just normal. That's just how God works. It's, it's the process of maturity. It's the process of getting stronger. It's that you got to go through something if you want to be what you're praying for. It's, that's, the, that's how it works. Because we are not, if there's anything you've learned in the book of Acts series, and what anything that Pastor Alex has been saying is that the Christian life is not an easy one. And you got to expect these, it's not if, it's when. Right? You could be an atheist in this place and you can know that life is life. Right, It doesn't matter what you believe. We know that life is going to come and throw punches our way. Not if, we can't avoid it, it is coming. 
Jesus says this in uh, John 16, verses 24 to 33, he says this, a time is coming. He's literally predicting what's happening, what we're reading now in Acts. A time is coming. In fact, it has come when you will be scattered each to your own home and you will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone for my father is with me. Look what he says is important. I have told you these things so that you may in me have peace. In this world, you will take it to the bank, guarantee, put all your money. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. But he didn't say you might have trouble. It's a possibility. Don't know. No, he he said you will have trouble. And, and, And if we can get one thing from this message, and one thing I want to help you as, as I've studied and challenged myself with this, as we mature and grow as Christians, that if we can make this our priority, I feel like our life will be filled with more peace. Not perfect, but more peace. And it's this. Instead of being surprised or hurt when life throws a trial our way, why don't we try being prepared for the next one? Right, like living a life where, okay, I just got through a storm. I'm going to use what God gave me. So guess what? When the next one comes, I'm not even phased. That, that I, I've been through worse. I've been through trials. I've been through some things. So whatever comes my way, I'm prepared. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. I'm not like, oh my God, how is this happening? No, I know what to do and who to follow and who to stand on. So what if we prepared to say, I don't care what happens. I'm expecting things in life. So I don't ask why, because the answer is why not? Why, why not? Because Jesus said it's going to come. So I'm not going to ask God, why is this happening? I'm surprised that I'm being hurt. No, it's, it's going to happen. So when life is good, we praise God. And when life is bad, we praise God. Not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. Example I can think of that helped me uh, illustrate this is back in the day, I used to play football. And I know, as I said that, everybody's judging me and doubting that I even played. I, I, I did. I did. I was decent. I was all right. And in college, as I was going into training camp and practicing for the season, the coaches would get on me. Like, I felt like my name was being screamed every practice. I felt like I was always doing something wrong. I was making the wrong play or did the wrong thing on film. And just, I was like, man, I feel like these coaches hate me. I, like, is it because I'm Cuban and I'm in Arkansas? Like, what's the problem here? I don't, like, like is it a ven- personal vendetta? I was just, it was just one of those, and then it was young. I was a freshman at this time. And I'm like, man, what is, what did I do wrong? And I remember every, after every practice, I would always talk to my dad just to get some, some counsel, just to get some encouragement. And he would just listen and listen to me rambling. I'm like, Pop, this, I feel like these coaches don't like me. I feel like they don't want to play me. I feel like, I feel like something, am I, is there something that I'm doing wrong? And I'll never forget what he told me because I always applied it in my life. He says, Philly, you should be worried when they don't talk to you. You should be worried when they don't talk to you. Why is that? Because if they stop coaching me and yelling at me and, and talking to me, they're going to deem me as somebody that's not worthy to be poured into. They're not going to waste their breath on me because I'm not going to play, but because they see something in me, they're going to push me towards that potential. And so here's the, here's the moral of the story. I want to be worried when God isn't testing me. Like, I'm going to be, like, if, if I've been, if it's been three months and I've been chilling, like, oh my God, like, I gotta, I, there's something coming around the corner and I'm not ready for it. Like, I, I like, God, do you love, like, you said you, like, like, I want to be, I'm going to be like, man, if I haven't been tested, if I haven't gone through something, I'm a little worried. Because if I'm not tested, then I can't get stronger. And if I can't get stronger, then whatever's around the corner is going to eat me alive. 
So I want to make sure that I take every lesson that God throws my way, the good and the bad, and say, hey, I'm going to take this with me and be ready for whatever it comes to give me next month, next year, but I'm ready. And when it's around the corner, I'm not going to be faced. So I'm be worried when God isn't testing me. This is the thing, this is how the apostles lived. Like they were, they embraced the struggle. I mean, the whole book of Acts is like miracles, great works of God, signs and wonders, people meeting Jesus to beatings and prison and being flogged. It's like, that's the, it's a wave of emotions. That's how it is. But, but because of that fact, the apostles, Paul especially was like, man, I'm ready for whatever. I'll celebrate when people know Jesus, but I'll be ready to preach Jesus if I'm in jail. Like, I'm ready. Like, I know because Jesus told us that we need to be ready because trials are going to come. And so they lived every single day ready for any struggle, any struggle. And that's how they turned this grueling place that they were in into a glorious situation. It's because of how they were ready. Paul turned this place and it, was a, it became a, 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 a church service almost. You know, they were being obedient to what, what Jesus called. I mean, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, which, which is what most of us feel when we're in trials. Like, God, I'm doing what, you're supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. Why am I going through this? Here they are. They're literally going on a missionary trip, preaching the gospel. And all of a sudden, in the matter of seconds, they're now in a dungeon in darkness and no food. There's no joy, no nothing. They got stalks on their legs. I mean, here's the thing. The process of them going to jail was even worse. The, the Bible says they were cast in there. A cast, like, is another word for just, you just nonchalantly throw something without, without caring where it's going to land, how it's going to land, whatever. Like, that's, they just were thrown in there, forget how they land, forget what, they, what makes them feel good. We're going to throw them in the dungeon. We're going to put stalks on their feet, and we're going to beat them all in the same time. Preaching to this now very, very horrible situation. Now, here's the thing. I want you to, this is key here. When they were thrown in there, when they were beaten, when they put the stalks on their feet, Paul and Silas did not complain. They didn't complain. And they didn't curse their enemies. They didn't say, God, I need you to burn this place up and let's get out of here. They didn't say that. They did two things. They prayed and they praised. They prayed and they praised. Because they understood this fact that your attitude in your circumstances will determine the latitude in your circumstances. So if I can, in the worst situation possible, get my attitude to believe God for the best, I will rise above my problems and not get beaten by it. If I can say, yeah, I'm hurting, I'm going through it, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but I know who is with me, and that's Jesus, and he will never leave me nor forsake me, then guess what? My faith will go up, and yes, it doesn't take away the pain right away, but I can take one step, another step, another step, and not get beaten by life. Because my attitude, I, I'm, I'm, I know who I serve. I know who saved me. I know who saw me as righteous before I even believed it. It's Jesus. And so I want to make sure my attitude raises my latitude in every single circumstance. That I want to have a heart like Psalm 121. That I would lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? The help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. He won't slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. That's the God that you serve. He's not sleeping on you. He's not sleeping while you're going through stuff. He knows what, he's go- he knows what you're going through. 
And so when you don't know where to look, look up to the mountains. Don't, don't look down. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't, don't feel like it's all over because it is not. Even though it hurts. And every circumstance varies. Maybe you got a medical report. Maybe you're, you're struggling with, like, I get it. Every circumstance varies, but your attitude must always. You got to fight it. You got to fight it. It's, it, 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 takes, it takes time. It's a skill. You got you to learn to praise no matter what. So we can have peace in all things. So how do we find joy in a jail cell? Well, we follow the examples of Paul and Silas. What did they do? They prayed. And they praise. So when we want to find joy in the jail cells of life, we need to learn how to, we need to learn for supplication and singing. Supplication is asking or begging in a humbly or earnest manner. So here, Paul and Silas, they're, they're in supplication towards God. They're saying, God, help us get us out of here. You're good. You're amazing. We humble ourselves. We know you're doing it. I'm, I'm, I bet you their prayers are powerful because they're believing that even though they're in a situation, God is still good, still moving. They didn't pout, they prayed. And a lot of us, the moment tragedy strikes, we forget that prayer is our greatest, greatest weapon. And I know it's hard, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to be hypocritical. I get it. I get a bad phone call and it's like, man, I'm trying to figure out what my next, who do I call next? How do I get help? What do I need to do? And the last thing I do is pray. I'm not saying it's a sin, but man, we can set ourselves up for a win if we can say, okay, before I make another move, I'm gonna pray for five seconds. Jesus, help me with what's coming next and go on with my day just so I can align myself with him before I do anything. Before I ask for human help, I want to ask for godly help in every situation. Because we believe in connect groups. Yes, we need, we need help. We need fellow. I get that. But I want to make sure that when I'm in, I'm in supplication towards God. Were they in pain? Yes. Were they scared? Yes. Were they uncomfortable and miserable? Yes. But they did not allow their circumstances to defeat them. They went to God in prayer. And those prayers that they prayed led them to singing. And this is, I love this when I was studying. I just, this sentence right here, is, I just wish that we would just get this and apply it to our lives. One of the surest ways to overcome your prison experience is to learn the secret of praising God in the midst of your pain. That's so powerful right there. That we would just learn. We would, it would be a skill that we understand and, and apply in our lives. How to praise in a prison experience. Not praise on a Sunday around my buddies, but in the midnight hour. The midnight hour when there's nobody around. My connect group's asleep. My church is, I got to wait till next week. I, I, there is no church service. I got to wait. In the midnight hour when you're in bed staring at the ceiling and there's no bed to lead you, what do you do? When you're on your table, your, your nightstand, when you're at home in your couch, you're like, man, what am I going to do in this situation? In the midnight hour, in the quietness of your problems, in your storms, what will you do? Because I love this promise from God that encourages me. And that's why Paul and Silas were able to sing in the midnight hour. Because when you are in pain, the midnight hour, it's hard to sing. But God gives you a song in the night. Gives you a song in the night. Psalm 42a says, by the day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. Song is with me. Come on, we got to get out of this phase where we just worship on a Sunday. But I want to worship. Even if I know one sentence of the song, this new song, I, I know two words. I'll say it over and over and over because I don't need anybody to prompt me to worship. I need to worship because my soul needs it. And so if I'm going through something, I don't need a band. I'm going to just start singing because I, what, else do I, what else can I do? Do I just lay down and let the circumstance beat me? Or do I say, no, I'm going to sing a song in the night that God has given me because that's all I got. 
It's all I got. A praise towards you. God, I know I'm, I'm angry. I'm upset, but I'm going to sing to you. And I know you're going to hear me. I know you, because you gave me this song. And the most powerful worship we can ever experience will not be here on a Sunday. It'll be in the, it's been the quietness of your home. I believe that. I truly believe that in the moments of life, the hard moments of life is when we experience the love of God more than any other time. It's not when things are going good. It's when things are going bad and all hell is broken loose and all I have left is God and that's it. Because anybody, we all, we, you know, we've said this phrase, we can all worship when we're you know, feeling good. We, we get that. But it takes real massive faith to praise him when all hell is breaking loose. This is a beautiful thing though. Your pain is never wasted in this. Like, like Paul and Silas's pain wasn't wasted. That God, the situation that you're facing right now, he will use it for his glory and a purpose. It's not wasted. It's not happening for torture. It's not happening for punishment. There's something in the behind the scenes that we don't know. We will know, but we don't know right now that God is trying to show us and do around us. And it may not even be for us. We might be getting, God might be doing something, allowing something to happen to us that's going to bless somebody else. And we can miss it. And we can miss it. But Paul and Silas did not. There was a, they, they produced, there was results by their praise, their prayers. It produced something in this jail cell that changed not just their lives, but the lives of somebody else. A family, a household. That's the thing. We, we, we look at this story and we feel like the mission ended in Philippi, but it didn't. God had other plans. And right now you think your life is down and out. You feel like your mission ended, your life ended, but God has other plans and I promise he will reveal it to you when time is right. And so what, the, what results did God allow? What, what, did hap, what happened with Paul and Silas when they prayed in praise? I'm gonna break down three things that I think will encourage us, will help us that when we are going through trials, when we are going through pain, these are the results of when we push through. And the first thing that happened is they proved their faith. They proved their faith. Look what it says in verse 25. It says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. This is key. And the other prisoners were listening to them. The other prisoners were listening to them. It was, it was an attentive. It was like their ears perked up and they were like, man, what are these guys singing? What are they doing? I'm intrigued because why? Here are two men of God that have been beaten bloody, that are in stocks, that are miserable right now, and they are worshiping God with all their hearts. These, these prisoners have probably never heard a single hymn sung in that prison. That worship would fill the halls of their prison and they would be like, man, what is this song that is encouraging me? What's this song that they're singing? What, what, are they, what are they so excited about? Here's a reminder. Here's a reminder of what Paul and Silas are doing that's going to happen to us. The world is watching you as you go through pain. The world is watching you as you go through pain. That the moment you're going through a trial, all eyes are on you. Your family watches you. Your friends watch you. Your coworkers watch you. Because they know about your church, right? They know that about Calvary. You love Calvary. That's awesome. Man, the worship's amazing. Pastor Alex is great. Like, like I, they know about you. But do, do they know how you are with God? when you're going through something. Because everybody is not looking at you in the mountaintop. Nobody's interested in that. Nobody, that's not, that's not, nobody, okay, you're in the mountaintop, life is good, that's awesome. But how do you respond? What's your body language like? How's your faith when you're going through something? Because people are watching. People are curious. Is your God real? 
do you really believe in your God? Oh, because you were singing his praises when you got that raise. But, but what now? And, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we, we do things for people to, to, to get their acknowledgement, to get their praise. I'm not saying that. But what if what we're going through is our open door to tell somebody about the love of Jesus that might be going through the same thing we're going through? That God would allow our pain to attach to somebody else's pain. And guess what? You have Jesus. They don't. They get Jesus. Life gets better. So the world's watching. Let's prove our faith. Come on, let's believe that in the good and the bad, God is with us. And not be shy about it. Not, uh, your friends and your family be like, hey, are you okay? No, I'm not going through it, but I know my God is good. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, you saw me cry, but guess what? I believe God is good. Like, show it's okay to hurt. I'm not saying you got to hide your emotions and be Mr. Tough Guy. No, I'm not saying that. Cry if you got to cry. Be upset if you got to be upset. But make sure your faith doesn't go down. And make sure you stand on the word of God and believe every word it says. Because remember what Jesus did for you. Jesus didn't save you to leave you by yourself and to say, I saved you. Okay, bye. He saved you that in these moments, you would remember he's with you. So prove your faith. Second thing they did is they produced their freedom. Look what it says in verse 26, that suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At, all, at, at once, all the prisoner doors were open. Everybody's chains came loose. Their prayer and their praise produced their freedom. As they prayed, God did the supernatural and the bands broke free, the stocks broke free. Everybody, it was, it was a jail, get out of jail free time. Everybody's ready to go. But notice something. Notice that they were still in prison, but they were free. They were still in prison, but they were free. They're still in prison, but they were free. I think a lot of us, when we're in the prison experiences of life, we forget that we're actually free. Like we forget that little tiny detail of our life. That, that who the sun sets free is free indeed. So yeah, your circumstances feels like a prison. That setting you're in is a prison, but in reality, you're free. You're free to go whenever. You're free to step out of that jail cell whenever. You don't have to be stuck to that drug addiction anymore because you're free. You don't have to keep on struggling with money because you can be free. You can get, you can get help for your marriage because you're free. You are not stuck to that prison cell. In reality, you are free in Jesus' name. And sometimes we forget the power of prayer and praise to remind your soul the joy of the Lord the joy of my salvation that I'm saved not one and done but once and for all like I'm, I'm saved for good and I don't have to question it I don't, that, the, that my salvation is irrevocable and Jesus didn't just say hey you're saved just kidding no like he saved us and so next time you go through something let it produce your freedom and remind you that you are free a joyful heart in the midst of difficulty has the power to loose your bonds and make you free even when you still are in the middle of a mess choose joy praise him pray to him and remind your soul that you are free last thing and the band can come up Paul and Silas were able to be a part of a purchase of them being purchased purchased a family so what they did was they not only produced their faith 
not only were they, they in this position where they just praise and worship him, they were part of somebody's salvation in the worst place imaginable. Like, like think about this. If there was a time to escape, it was when the earthquake started. Like that was the time to dip. It was the time to go. Like, it's like Paul, Silas, let's ride. Let's get out of here. What are we waiting for? You see, when the circumstances said escape, love said stay for the sake of one soul. Yeah, they could have left and they wouldn't have been wrong. It's not the wrong thing to do. But God had other plans. God cared about this one jailer. Wasn't a good person. Did bad things to his people. But he cared about him. And so the spirit prompted Paul and Silas to say, no, we're not going to go. We're actually going to help this man get to know who Jesus is. We're, gonna get, we're not going to escape. We're not going to leave. And that, that's, that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be natural magnets towards him. That people would be magnetized to what we have. That they would see you in your struggle, man. Damn, there's something different about you. How do you, how do you worship? How are you so happy? How are you so peaceful? Are you going through that? Like, what, what? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm using my hurt and my pain to be a magnet so other people can know who Jesus is. So Paul and Silas did. So yeah, you know what? We can complain and we can talk about how we got in jail for no reason. Or we could say, hey, this man that was suicidal, we're going to tell him about the love of Jesus and change his life forever. And not only his life, but the life of his family. It's a beautiful story that God starts with one and then it just keeps on going and going and going. But it takes us to take that first step. So in your troubles, in your trials, don't escape before you help one person. Right? Like I know it's hard. You're like, man, Phil, that's asking a lot. I'm already, I'm struggling right now with what I'm going through. Now you want me to think about one other person? You never know what God can do through your struggles. And maybe right now you know there's a person right now that, that you're close to and you're going, they're, they're walking with you, but they don't know Jesus. But this can be the time. This can be the moment where you say, hey, you know why I'm, you know how I'm, I'm doing okay? I never told you this, but it's because of Jesus. Do you know who Jesus is? Like, I go to this church on Sunday and I tell you about church, but I haven't really told you about Jesus. But this man, Jesus, he changed my life. And let the Holy Spirit guide that conversation and watch what he'll do. If you just trust him, if you say, I'm not going to complain, I'm not going to pout. Yes, I'm hurting. Yes, I'm going through it. But God is trying to do something behind the scenes. We can either fight against what God is doing and suffer, or we can rest in what he's doing and have victory. The choice is ours. I'll finish with this. It's a man named Victor Frankl, incredible psychologist and um, a brilliant mind, brilliant mind. Um, but life was hard because he was a Jew during the Holocaust and he had to go to a concentration camp. And in those concentration camps, he lost his father, his mother, his brother, lost people that he lost his wife. Think about that terrible, demonic experience. But yet years later, when he was freed from that, when the war, when the war, when the war was won, he was able to write this quote that was so profound so incredible he says this everything can be taken from a man you can lose everything you can lose it all but there's one thing 
that they can't, that they can't be taken. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. We're gonna talk about crazy faith, crazy posture and attitude to say, yeah, I went through the Holocaust, but they didn't take my, my, my freedom of choice. That freedom to say, you know what? This is demonic, this is evil, this is horrible, but they can't take that away. They can take my wife, they can take my brother, they can take my father, they can take my mother, but they can't take my attitude to believe that one day I will get free from this thing. So let life take whatever. Let life take away anything, but it won't change my attitude. And so I will make your decision with the help of the Holy Spirit that when troubles come my way, when I'm in the prisons of life, when I'm in the jail cells of issues, I will not let my attitude go down because I know my life is being moved and I know somebody else is watching my life. And so I'm going to take that opportunity to tell and to be loud about Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm not strong. I'm not that faithful. It's only Jesus. And because of Jesus, I can and have victory. Why don't we stand up to our feet as we wrap up? It's Jesus alone. That as we grow in our faith, we stop playing games with the immature Christianity and realize that we got a mission. That what we go through has a purpose. It's not wasted. God's not trying to torment you. I've said this already. I hope that it falls in your spirit correctly. Because that's the God that we serve. Yes, bad things happen, but it doesn't mean that you've done anything bad and God's trying to punish you. It's just life. And we live in a sinful world and that's it and that's the problem. But we have the solution in Jesus and people don't even know. I can't imagine facing half the things I did in my life. The struggles, the hard times, when I felt depressed, when I felt like giving up without Jesus. But it's because, of, because I have Jesus. I have a strong church family. I, my, my family personally is strong has reminded me Jesus is going to get you through he's going to show you something he's going to encourage he's going to strengthen you and I can say that my life at the age of 31 through all the things and I know I got things coming my way I know there's things around the corner that are going to come test me I, I'm, I'm, I get it but I've been through stuff already so let the world throw whatever it wants my way I'm ready I'm prepared and even if I slip up my eyes will look to the mountains because that's where my help comes from. Hey, before we leave, I, I want to pray for two groups of people, but we did this in the last service, and I just felt like this is just to, just to help us all. I just want to lead us in a prayer that we would just be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's nothing weird about that, nothing, I just, what, what, I'm, what we're praying and what we're asking for, what I want to do is for all of us to say, God, I can't do this in my own strength. I've tried, I've gotten shy, I, I feel like I, I missed my opportunities, but if I can allow the Holy Spirit to push me, to prompt me, give me the words to say, then I can see some things happen in my life. And that's what I, was, I want us to be a church filled with the Holy Spirit. That this wouldn't be a natural man-made church, which it isn't, but we would lean on the Spirit. We're a, spirit, we're a supernatural believing people. That earthquake wasn't natural, it was supernatural. And I believe we can see the same incredible things happen in our lives. So why don't we lift up our hands in a posture to receive. And all we're saying is, God, we want more of the Holy Spirit. We want more of you. Come on, let's, let's ask God to activate the, the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. 
that we would give prophetic words to people, that you would give us the gift of wisdom, of speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of faith. Come on, pray for the gifts. Come on, we need the gifts active in our city. We need the gifts active in our lives. Come on, church, it's not not the job of two people. It's the job of every single one of us. God has called you. God has chosen you. God has handpicked you to change your life, to change your family, to help those that are hurting. You're welcome here, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Fall in this place, Holy Spirit. atmosphere of faith maybe here today and you don't know Jesus you haven't had that experience that wonderful experience of surrendering your life and allowing Jesus to come in and remove your sin and give you a brand new beginning a brand new start this is what we believe the church is all about is is letting you know that the most important message we can ever say is the one about how Jesus loves you so much how he cares about you see the story of Jesus and his mission is beautiful We believe that Jesus, he's the son of God at the right hand of the father. And Jesus is our only hope for salvation. You have to understand that when we were born on this planet, we were born sinners. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing we could do on this earth to remove that sin. You could be the nicest human being on planet earth. You can give to all the charities you want. You could be the best encourager, but it won't take away that sin. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody gets to the Father except through Jesus. So what did Jesus do? He left heaven, came down to earth, was born as a baby, grew up to be a man, and in his adulthood, in his adult life, he was the son of God. He was perfect. He was was incredible. He did amazing things, but he still felt temptation. He felt pain. He felt hurt. But he did this mission for you and for me. Bible says that the wages of sin, the, the road to sin leads to death. That all of our lives, if we don't remove our sin, leads to death. And Jesus, knowing that nothing that we can do, nothing, nothing, nothing that we can do can save ourselves, he traded places with us. The cross that was meant for you and I, he said, no, I'm going hey, to take you off and I'm going to go on that cross. Because you can't, there's nothing you can do. Only, only I can do this. Only me. So Jesus being perfect, gave up his life, was beaten, was tortured, was humiliated, was nailed to a cross. But he didn't do it out of guilt. He did it because he loved you. And Jesus was thinking about you on that cross. He's always been thinking about you. So Jesus, he dies on that cross. They bury him. They put him in a grave. And for three days, Jesus is dead. But all of us that know, who are believers, we know that on that third day, he rose from the grave. And we believe that he's alive today, changing lives, helping people. And he wants to do that for you today. And here's a beautiful thing. He did all the work. All we have to do is accept the free gift of grace. So today, if that's you, you were saying, Phil, I'm... I'm I feel like I'm hitting dead end after dead end and I want my life to be, I want to give up the keys of my life. I'm done driving. I'm done trying to figure it out. I just want, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. Today that can happen. Today your life can be changed forever. So if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment of privacy, respecting people's decision. If you're in this place, you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to have your sins forgiven. You want a brand new beginning. Today is your day.
today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for next week. Don't wait next month. Tomorrow's promise to no man. Make the decision today. If that's you, I'm going to ask you in the count of three, lift up your hand if you want to receive Jesus. You, you, I'm not going to put a mic in your face. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see who I'm praying for. That's all. And you can put it right back down. So if that's you, you're saying, Phil, that's me. I'm ready to make the decision. I'm ready to, to surrender. Hands are already going up. Praise God. On the count of three, you lift up your hand. One, two, three. You lift up your hand. God bless you. 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 Awesome. You can put your hands down. I see you. Amazing. Praise Jesus. Hey, if you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. And as a church, we're going to come alongside you with this prayer. And because uh, we're your family now. And uh, we're going to make sure that we support you in this, deci- in this decision. And it's a repeat after me prayer. And this prayer is us now confessing to God that we're all in with Jesus. And uh, I want to make this first prayer easy. And it's a repeat after me. So it goes like this in church. Let's back them up. Let's encourage them. Let's be with them as they say this prayer. And I pray that you would say this, you would say this prayer. And it wouldn't just be an emotion, a feeling. You just, you know you got to make this prayer. You know you got to get right with Jesus. And then you would already start to feel him moving things in your life. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I thank you. And I love you. And everybody said, come on, let's get rowdy. Let's make some noise for every single person that made that decision. Thank you, Yoli. Hey, seriously, greatest decision you can ever make. Greatest decision you can ever make. Greatest one. Your sins are forgiven. You have a brand new life ahead of you. Yes, good good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. But you always have Jesus forever. And so we're so pumped for you. We're so pumped to see what Jesus is going to do in your life. And as a church, we don't want to leave you stranded. We don't want to leave you by yourself. We want to help you on this journey. And so one of the things that we we believe is the next best step that you can do is getting your own Bible. And uh, we believe the Bible is God literally speaking to us. The words that are written here is not just some words written by man. It was written by God himself. And it speaks to you. And so we have a... There's little footnotes and any questions you may have. It's incredible, incredible resource for your life. And the beautiful thing is it's paid for by the church. So shout out to every single person that gives every Sunday that we can give out hundreds of Bibles for free. And so here's what I'm going to ask for you if you can. After service, if you raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, but you, you said that prayer and you really gave your life to Jesus, go outside. Our super incredible, nice, amazing dream team members are going to give you a Bible. It is free of charge, no payments, nothing. We want to get this in your hands and watch it transform your life. So after service, go do that and uh, be blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Yoli. Hey, I hope, I hope that challenged us. Hope it encouraged us. Never want to downplay your struggles. Never want to downplay where you're going through. I want you to know there's going to be a time in our life where we have to make a choice. Do we lift our eyes toward Jesus or do we keep him down and let the situation hurt us? And so I can't imagine what that looks like if a whole church, your struggle, my struggle, all of us together saying, no, we're going to look to Jesus. We're going to believe in Jesus. We're going to lean on Jesus and see the miracles that this church can produce. Exciting days ahead, church. Exciting days. Hey, we're going to leave here worshiping. And I want to pray.
pray for you one last time. Pray for your week. Pray for your home. Pray for your marriages. So we can lift up our hands one last time and then we'll, we'll worship one last time. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for every single person in this building. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for their, for their financial giving to the church. Thank you for their serving the church. I pray that, God, you would help them that they would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, God. Give them an opportunity this week in their workplace, at home, to talk about you, Jesus. That they wouldn't be shy about you, Jesus. They would be bold about you, Jesus. And that we would see so many people in in our city get saved in your name. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's end this out.